It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Dory of AZ Sports and my co-host, Sean Smith. We are audio only this week, kind of on a short week because there was a game on Monday and uh, we're going to, we had a lot of, a lot of hockey coming up. So we're going to do an audio this week and then next week we'll be back to video, but um, it is episode 67 of On the Preds <clears throat> and... Sean, we've got a lot to talk about because I think that the last week has been a pretty important, in some ways, week for the Predators, at least yeah. in terms of where things are going. But um, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a strange week. Uh, how, how you doing? Well, you know, things are going pretty good, Alex. I can't complain from the Smith side of things, um, the Sean Smith side of things. I don't know how other important Smiths are doing, but this one's doing <laughs> fine. So, um, you know. I <laughs> back uh, back to the scoring drought for Cole Smith, I guess, but still, um, Sean Smith's doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, well, it um the the last week, so like the Predators last Tuesday before we our our last recording was going into that game, and um, boy, that was a bad performance against Vegas, <clears throat> and then Saturday yeah. they sort of barely squeak out a win over Philadelphia in overtime. And uh, in the process, also lose Philip Forsberg for some time. Now, the the prognosis maybe sounds better than we thought because they call him day-to-day. -day. Uh, so who knows what that means? But it does seem to be a concussion. And you just never know with those. I mean, you can make progress and then ha have a setback. So Forsberg being out, that's not good. But I want you to tell us what happened against Arizona on Monday night because that was a... Um, pretty significant game for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, I, I, let me let me just do a little bit of setup here. You know, the, the Predators were playing against the Flyers on uh, on Saturday, and and the reason I bring that up is it's it's important to understand the context. The Flyers um, are what many would consider a bad team, and it's it's kind of funny when you say everyone kind of universally agrees the Flyers are a bad team because they're not that far behind the predators in the standings if you right. look at the overall picture we're not talking about they were playing against the 32nd ranked team you know this was a team that is lower than, than them in the standings but not so far back but again i think most people if you said hey are the flyers a good team they would say no they're not um and the predators should have been able to handle them fairly easily however they were able to come away with two points while still giving one to the team um, because they had to go to overtime in order to make it happen. Now, overtime looked decisive, but, you know, Pyrrhic victory because you win the game, you lose Philip Forsberg. And I think that sets the scene for what happens last night or Monday. Pyrrhic night. victory. We are using yeah. that in the, in the yeah. show notes. That's a great you one. You think that's, uh, you think that's accurate? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I just pulled up the standings. Philadelphia has three fewer wins than Nashville. Yeah. Just not yeah. that many. They have it's... five 
four games in hand for some reason. So they have only two fewer points, but yeah, they really aren't that far down below the standings. No, and it's it's funny that you're you're talking about oh the Flyers are one of the worst teams in hockey, and that's I I feel like that's been bandied around pretty heavily and freely, and uh, I, if, uh, I'll be darned if you know they they really weren't that and aren't that far behind the Predators um, with several games in hand, but that's that's kind of where we kind of have to start looking at what the reality of this team is. And that's why we're going to talk about what happened against the Coyotes. Um, Coyotes also um, considered to be one of the worst teams in, in hockey right now. Um, and I think, you know, it was really interesting and I'll, I'll admit that maybe this they is are, my fault. And they are significantly worse than the Flyers, by the way. Correct. Yes. I mean, not just in, you know, this is what people are saying, but if you look at the numbers, it's, it's low. And I learned um, as the team took the ice when I got the lineup that this is a team that's regularly been going 11 forward, seven defenders over the course of the season. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, you see that if that's their best option, it's still not working very well. But, you know, it happened to work out very well against the Predators. And strangely, one of their best defenders wasn't playing at all because he's being held out for a potential trade. So the, the Predators came out, and, and I'll be honest, never really – I think there was a lot of talk. Um, you know, they led them in shots, and they led them on shots, and that was a big deal because they got more shots. But the reality here at the end of the night is that they didn't get the goals they needed to capitalize on those shots, and it looked like they couldn't really get at any point during the night anything going for themselves. Um it was interesting after the game, uh, someone asked Colton Sissons, you know, what he thought was behind them. The, the <laughs> shots not going in, even though they had the advantage in shots. And he said that, well, he kept stopping them. And quite frankly, that's that's what was happening. And when you have that many shots and they're getting stopped like that, you probably have to start looking at the quality of those shots. So, you mm-hmm. know, it, it was maybe they were leading in shots, but I don't think they had a ton of quality chances. So, you had a night full of what I would call for the Predators pretty uneventful hockey in the sense that they weren't doing a lot of big things or in a lot of situations where you looked and said, oh, man, they almost scored a goal there. That was really close because it really wasn't. And and honestly, it seemed like a lot of the players, I don't want to say they were playing frustrated. They weren't playing angry, but they, they were playing, huh. to me, it seemed kind of uninterested. But um, then what – But. So they, they lose, they lose what four to two, right? That was the final right. score. Yes. What was it like after the game? Because I, I remember asking you to, to give me a vibe of what, what, what it was like after the game. Cause you know, we, we've both been in a lot of losing locker rooms, especially this year. Yeah. And uh, I was just curious if that one was like different and, and this, and also with Heinz too. So, you know, there's, you know, I, I feel like I heard the crowd boo toward the end. I was already headed to the elevator after I saw. Yeah, the that, was on, that was on the broadcast. You could hear that. There were some boos. Yeah, yeah. there was booing. And, 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 and realistically, anytime Predators fans are booing, that, that tells you that there's a problem. Because I feel like, for the most part, Predators fans are pretty loyal. And they don't really turn on the team that often. Even, like you said, we've we've been in some losing locker rooms. We've seen some pretty bad games. But... The fans still say, you know what, they gave a solid effort. We're not going to boo them. But it seemed like the uh, Bridgestone faithful did not feel like that was a strong effort, and they oh. let the boos rain down. So tell, tell people, tell people what happened on the elevator ride. Oh, okay. So you know, after the game, you can ride. You can't. I mean, you can't, Alex. But 
um, you know, if you, if you have a, a badge, you can go down the freight elevator with, with a lot of the other uh, predators, people. Yeah, down. After the, yeah. after the game, there's a, there's a, yeah. there's a, a quick ride down so that you can run to the locker room and interview players yeah. after the game. But on that elevator, every single time is also who? Uh, the, the Poils are on there, David, Brian, um, a lot of the other team officials, all the team uh, affiliated media and everybody. And, um, you know, yeah, most, not uh, most notably, David Poyle is always on there. Definitely on there. Usually one of the last, they kind of hold the elevator for him. He's usually the last one on, stands at the front, so he's the first one off. There's a curtain that they they close kind of so you don't really see everybody what's going on back there. But it was kind of open last night. And as the fans were coming out, there was some booing. And I think I think they recognized that. David Poyle was standing there and uh, a couple of guys started saying really sarcastically, Hey, great job guys. Great, great job tonight. That was great. Way to go um, with some fake clapping. And then um, as the doors were closing, uh, one of them shouted directly at David Poyle fire Heinz now. Um, <laughs> now. Of course, no one reacted. Poyle didn't react. I mean, he's a professional, you know, that's not, you know, I don't, I don't know what <laughs> kind of response they were expecting that to elicit I from the say, general uh, manager of the team. That does not happen very often. I, I no. hope to be, or, or maybe ever. I mean, I've never, it is, it is kind of a strange situation because every time that that elevator ride happens, there, are, there's a, there's a lot, there's a moment where like a ton of fans are flooding out the doors yeah. and there's a lot of fans walking by that elevator and Poyle is right there. Along yep. with along with a lot of other people, and the majority of fans, I don't think know what David Poyle looks like. But the ones that do, it's like right. I have, I'm surprised that it hasn't happened more often, especially in the in the bad times. You know, I'm sure right. Right. I'm sure in the good times there have been people, you know, being like, "Way to go!" You know, after a win. But yeah, I've I don't think I've ever heard anybody say anything towards Poyle. You know, as the elevator doors are closing. So I, I think that was no. That's no, I've, I've never. I've never heard that happen either. Um, and, and I'll be honest, it wasn't like a situation where everyone in the elevator was looking around at each other like, oh my gosh, did you hear what he said? I mean, yeah. it was just kind of like, huh, somebody's had too much to drink, you know. But yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, you, know, we, you can go on Yeah, talk about the rest of it, sorry. Locker room was, uh, it was somber. I mean, it usually is after a loss. I mean, there's nothing to celebrate in a loss. And, um, you know, typically, you know, we can request who we'd like to speak to. Um, I didn't request anybody. I was... Had a lot going on at the game, um, but <laughs> um, Roman Yossi was available. I mean, the captain is almost always available after a loss. I mean, he's the you know, basically the mouthpiece of the team in that locker room. And you know, you saw after that that uh, last time, I think maybe you were down there that um, he took accountability for an ugly loss. You know, I think you even wrote an article about it, Alex. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. About the yeah. two the two goals against uh, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, that's what your captain is the captain for as much as he is the mouthpiece of the team on the ice. He's also the mouthpiece of the team. When things don't go well, they usually step up, they take accountability and they redirect that conversation to, we're going to, you know, take the loss and move on and try to do better next time. And, you know, Yossi did that. Uh, we talked to Mikhail Granlund and Granlund notoriously, um, doesn't say a lot, you know, so it's not like you got a vibe from either one of these guys. And then we talked to Colton Sissons and, you know, Sissons had the good response, you know, well, he kept, he kept stopping them. That's why the pucks didn't go in, which was, he laughed. I mean, he was making a joke. He was being light, but you could tell that the locker room, I don't want to say somber. It wasn't like someone had died. It was more like, uh, you could tell there was frustration, I think. Um, and that, that kind of comes from, 
not so much anything anyone was saying, but the fact that as you walk in, you know, there still are the other guys in there who aren't up for interview at the time. And, and a lot of them, you could just tell they're, they're quiet. They're not talking. They're not drawing attention themselves. So I'm just going to pack my crap up and get out of here. Like I'm ready to go game over for the night. I'm done. Um, and I've been in there before when there was more frustration, visible frustration, but this wasn't frustration as much as it was resignation to the fact that that was a crappy performance and they were not happy with it. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, we, then we went on to, to wait for, uh, John Hines and I'll, I'm going to say this, you know, when, when John Hines first came to the team, we typically had to wait for him for a long time. Um, that's gotten a, a lot shorter of a time period. And I really think that if I look back on why do I think we were waiting for him for so long? I think he liked to be briefed on what had been talked about. You know, what are people asking? What did the guys say in response? Because he likes to be able to speak to that. If those are team talking points or things from practice or things from a team meeting, that's, that's something he can, you know, kind of verify. Like, yeah, we talked about that in practice just to kind of have an, a heads up or an idea of what, what could be asked. Um, but he's gotten a lot faster. And we had to wait a little bit of time. Uh, more than it had been recently for Hines, but he came in um, and he spoke. Um, he was in the room for, I would say, right at three minutes. And his answers, um, you could tell I mean, he wasn't mad. He wasn't frustrated, but he definitely didn't feel like talking very much. Um, and, you know, there's a three, lot of three, questions. Just to give people context, three minutes is a pretty short amount of time for him. That is that is a an average Laviolette and a short Hines, we'll say that. Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's an aver average uh, availability for Peter Laviolette, but for John Hines, John Hines gives very thoughtful, thorough answers to your questions. He takes his time with them and makes sure that he addresses everything you're saying. There was there was a little bit more frustration, I think, from him, and you know, it's the it's those re requisite questions you have to ask, and you know, you think. I believe it was John Glennon that was asking the question. And if I'm wrong, I apologize, but um, and the question was along the lines of, you know all all games are important like we know this but does it something like does it sting a little bit is there a little bit of you know missed opportunity that you were playing a team that was lower than you in the standings and you right. let them beat you at home and that question kind of got started answered in the middle of that question and just said look all games are important we all know right. that and that was that was about it it was it wasn't yeah. disrespectful it wasn't it wasn't you know rude it was just kind of short like Yep, we get it. All games are important. Let's move on. And, you know, he did go on to give a very thorough explanation and analysis of how he felt Philip Tomasino had played in his first game since being called up. Um, you know, but when he was done, um, he was done and it was time to go. So it was uh, it was a little bit of a different, I'd say, interview than yeah. I think we're used to. <clears throat> I, I would say uh, so. The, the reason I want to ask you about that is because. I do think that last night was a little bit of a different scenario. Like, look, there, there's a lot of people out there who are watching this team either as a fan or a just interested media party who will react, will react to maybe too quickly to a loss or maybe they over overemphasize losses at the beginning of the season or over overemphasize bad losses, you know, in January or something or, or over calculate, you know, how good the team is in some other area. I mean, there, it happens on both sides. Um, and so I think like what, what I try to do, and I think what you try to do as well. And, and I think what's, what's a good idea is to really try to take 
have have a little bit of patience, have a little bit of time, give, give things some time, give, give, give things a chance to breathe. Um, whenever, whenever things happen with this team and, and don't just overreact to one particular thing. Don't, re- don't, over- don't even overreact to one good week or one bad week. But I think last night was a, was kind of a turning point. I, I, I really do. I, I think last night was a, a pretty bad moment because of, well, several things. Number one, the, 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 the measurement of the, uh, well, that loss in particular is a just a really horrendous loss in in terms of who it was, who they were icing, why you needed to win, the fact that you you needed to build wins as quickly as possible after the All Star break. But then also just the they are they are just out of time. The clock is not ticking down. The t- the clock is it's it's out. I mean, like they they don't they can't do these anymore. They can't have these games anymore. They can have these games in December and say, you know what? We did some things. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll move on. They don't, did you not have the luxury of doing that? We've already been over it about like where they are in the standings, but it's, it's like, they just don't have the luxury of doing that. I said in my article today, which is all about the team selling and we'll get into that in a little bit, but they have 31 more games and to, to do basically what they haven't done in the first 51 and there's just nothing that tells me they're going to figure it out. I mean, that, there's there's way too much inconsistency. The defense is still just all over the place. Some some players are playing well, and some players are playing awful. Uh, goaltending, you know, like is is keeping them in it, but I, I still don't think it's it's good enough to do what it did last year. And now they don't have Philip Forsberg, and yeah. we don't know how long that is. But their best single offensive threat is out. Yep. Um, and you could tell last night they, they were missing that. I mean, like I'm, I'm glad that Tomasino is getting the chance and I think he's, he's earned it, but man, I mean, without Philip Forsberg in the lineup, there's just, there's a, even a, even a larger missing hole in the attacking end. It's just big it, time. Yeah. And <clears throat> so all of that. And then the other thing is this, well, actually let's, let's do this. Let, let's talk about, I, w- I want to tell everyone about relax the back first, and then we'll talk about the, uh, the, the, the selling idea, because that's, that's kind of the, the meat of what I want to get to today. But um, we are still sponsored by relax the back, Sean, and we will be for another year. We are very excited about that because uh, relax the back is uh, the best. And we, we like, we love Glenn over there at 2020 Glen echo road. Because we know that if you want to live better, feel better, and sleep better every day, you need to go to Relax the Back to check out all of the customized comfort options that they have for the office, for relaxing at home, and for sleeping at night. We're talking about ergonomic office chairs, zero-gravity chairs, all the beds and quality recovery options that they have. Maybe if you're recovering from a workout or if you've got been, been injured and you're trying to get back into shape, the massage chairs and the recliners and the foot massagers and the back massagers, all of it right there in the store is all, uh, all top notch, um, options for you to, to recover from those injuries. But in order to see it, you've got to go to the store. You have to walk into this store. You will be blown away by the, the, the demonstrations that they have by the, the ways that he'll, he'll, you know, He'll have you lay down on a bed and tell you exactly what you need to what you need in order to recover or to sleep better at night. It's amazing. Um, by the way, they are also giving away a couple of tickets to some Preds games. 
So go check out the A to Z Sports Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to see all about how those giveaways work. Uh, they are uh, giving away two tickets to this Saturday's game against the Florida Panthers. So uh, go check it out like right now, as soon as you're listening to this. While you're listening to us, go to the Facebook page, A to Z's Facebook page, scroll down and look for the ticket giveaway post, enter into that. But anyways, go to, uh, then after you do that, get in your car and drive to 2020 Glen Echo Road in Green Hills. Talk to Glenn. He's a sleep agent. He'll be on hand there to talk to you about all the things you need to talk about. And uh, he also owns the store. And he will also tell you about the four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy body, healthy work, and healthy mind. I, I know we weren't doing video, but I still counted the pillars on my fingers like I always do. I figured you probably did. Yeah. It helps me keep up with things. Fingers are useful for counting. Yeah. All right. So not too uh, high. <laughs> can only get so, up to nine the the other thing about why uh last night was important i think is i i really think that it sets the stage for them selling and i want to mention first that david poyle said earlier today that um and i want to get this quote right let me just go ahead and pull that up because i want to get the quote right um stalling for time but he went on a local radio station and also t and talked about a lot of things but also about how the uh about the trade deadline and he said i do not think we are a buyer and if things don't change more favorably we certainly could be a seller mm. um so david poyle does not usually show his hand very often no uh, he usually really plays it neutral it's just like well we're always taking phone calls you know you, you always want to hear options out there you know we're always interested in trying to get better at the de trade deadline blah 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 uh, this year seems to be different. This year, he seems to be very confident that he's not buying, which is a very smart move. Yeah, well, <laughs> obviously he shouldn't buy, and he seems leaning towards selling. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's different look for sure. Yeah, different look. <laughs> you I mean, don't you don't often get that. They have not been sellers since pre-Laviolette. I mean, it, it's been – Trots was really the last time that they were true sellers. I mean, you could make yeah. the argument that they kind of backdoor sold a couple times here and there, but it, it really was the Lavi uh, sorry Trots years that they were sellers when they were getting Cal Yarncroke and Philip Forsberg and um, building draft picks and stuff like that. <clears throat> but um, – so, we'll, you know, there's a lot of there's there's more time to we can spend maybe like on next week's episode about specifically what they can sell. But I think the idea of selling is what they need to embrace at this point. Now, some of you are probably listening to this and screaming at me and saying they should have been sellers all year or they should have been sellers last year. Well, OK, you can have that opinion. But I'm just telling you that from from my maybe more neutral perspective. I haven't thought that they needed to be sellers until now. And maybe perhaps that carries a little bit more weight because I don't just go around shouting out hot takes all the time about how they need to fire Hines and sell this and that and trade Yossi because he's a bad leader and all this stuff. Like, I don't, I, I'm just saying, I, I think it does carry more weight when you have someone telling you this, that tries to be more neutral than most. <laughs> I right. No, I, I, I think you're right. I, I understand where you're coming from. If you were shouting it from the rooftops or, you know, God forbid on a, on a radio show every afternoon <laughs> or something that, you know, yeah. 
this team's bad. We got to fire everybody and trade everybody. I mean, it'd be different, but I think right. Yeah. I mean, if, deserve... if you basically, if, if you have thought that John Hines was a bad coach from day one, when they hired him, then when you say now that they should fire John Hines, I just don't listen to you. I don't, I don't hear what you're saying because you never have given him the chance. You've never, you've never thought he was a good coach ever. So why right. would I believe that you have any analytical position that isn't your own bias coming out? So yeah. Any, anyways, just, I don't know who might be doing that, but you know, probably someone out there. Some, surely someone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. What do you think about that, Sean? Like, uh, them being sellers. I mean, you, you obviously think the same thing. So you, you know, you came out with an interesting, uh, set of statistics, I think before the all-star break talking about this, this is realistically what they would need to do coming back from yeah. the all-star break win wise. And they, they have most recently been on a pace that would allow them to do that. Um, and I think your point was, you know, these first few games after the break were the big ones because, they were going to have a couple of games that should be slam dunks. Um, and quite frankly, we and they were going to have to, down the stretch, beat some good teams. Well, they came out against a team that they should not have struggled with as much and got blown out. And then they played against a team that they should have blown out and they squeaked out a win in overtime. Then they played a team they should have blown out again and they lost by two goals. Um that doesn't inspire confidence that this team, even if they could squeak into the playoffs, would be able to do anything worth doing once they were there. And I think the last thing anybody wants is a repeat of the playoffs last season. I think that it doesn't just look bad, but it kind of sets the standard that this is what this is what the team was willing to settle for. This is the product they're willing to put on the ice for their fans. Um, and maybe they think that's good enough. And I think, it's a lot easier to go into the off season having sold than it is to go into the off season after a first round exit. Yeah. And then try to make something happen when you've, you've lost the ability to get from your, get what you could get from your trade assets. Yeah. Prices they, are high right now. Last, last year, it did not make sense for them to be a seller because remember the Ford group was playing insane. They were, they were <laughs> yeah. going nuts. And like, and, and for, for several years, David Poyle had been, angry with them for not performing yep. and and then uh and then then finally they have incredible years forsberg and duchene and johansson and granlin all have great years and uh him going in and saying okay we're gonna we're gonna sell or i'm gonna you know we're, we're not gonna buy or we're, we're gonna sell just wouldn't have made much sense because they had all that going to it and it and it and it's still you know then the soros injury just killed everything it just completely derailed the entire train but this year, there's just no way they can they can view this group as carrying any level of production into the postseason. There's just way too much inconsistency, way too much weakness um, to to be able to to not sell. I mean, to to go and say, well, we're just going to see if it see if they figure it out in the last thirty games. So you have to sell. You have to do it now. The schedule over the next couple of weeks is going to fool you into thinking that the season can be saved. Yeah, they could. The schedule in the next few weeks is 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 weaker, except for Boston on Thursday. But it's like, I mean, there's Vancouver on there. There's San Jose, Arizona. Um, those four teams alone, or those three teams alone, that's that's probably you know that could be three wins, even though you just lost to Arizona. Right. But even even if some of these other are other tough teams are beatable, like Florida, Minnesota, um, Pittsburgh. 
all kind of beatable teams. But then after the break or after the trade deadline, it gets nuts really quickly. Yeah. A lot of weak teams, Chicago, a couple times, Anaheim in there. But then Rangers, Sabres, Kraken twice, Maple Leafs, Bruins again, Penguins, Blues, Stars, Golden Knights, uh, Hurricanes, Jets, Flames, Wild, Avalanche. I mean, it's like that. That could be that could be like twelve losses. I mean, that's a, yeah, it's a that's buzz an insane off. amount of really good teams. And then if so, then if you don't do anything, you don't sell anything, then you're like, that's the worst position to be in. So I think they need to sell. Um, just briefly, I think Niederreiter is the best piece that they can sell, considering all the factors. He's still a good, not great offensive player that I think could complement a lot of teams out there. Maybe Edmonton, maybe Boston, maybe go back to Carolina. Um, uh, All all those teams could be interested. Uh, Fabro is, I I think if, if they are indeed sellers, I think Fabro is almost certain to be traded. You think so? Yes. Because, because of the money, like they, 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 I don't think that they would want to give him, the $2.4 million qualifying offer that they have to give him right. because they clearly have chosen Carrier over the two, which who, by the way, he's still out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's the other thing. Uh, but you know, like, and you could also get a good bit for him. I, you know, Toronto has been rumored, maybe Edmonton too. Um, yeah. you could get some, get, get a good return for him. Grandland would be hard to move, but, I think if you can make it work, you try to do it because think about it when Forsberg returns. Well, right. all of a sudden Tomasino's top six spot is gone, but not if you trade Grandland. <laughs> right. So maybe that's the move there. Uh, a lot of people talk about blow it up in terms of trading Soros. No, I don't think you do that. I don't think you trade Ekholm either. He's had a pretty good year. I don't think Duchesne needs to be traded and I don't think Johansson can be traded. Um, let's see other players. I mean, the other players are like either they're either future pieces of the team, like Parson and right. Novak Carrier. All those are future pieces. Those are not trade pieces. That's like what you're building around or they're like value roster spots. I mean, Jano is still a value. Sisson's still a value. Trennan is still a good value for your team. Right. They don't trade them. And then, you know, Cole Smith, I mean, he'll he'll be on the roster until the sun blows up and consumes the earth and melts the bones of our ancestors. Wow, wow, that's a <laughs> that's a that's a tagline right there. That sounds like a summer blockbuster. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go see it, but I mean, I'm sure it, it could be made. It's pretty dark. I think, I think too. I think it's on, it, I think it's on HBO, and I think it has it some hotshot new actor. Yeah, and there's probably like some toplessness or something, so the kids can't watch. But um, here, here's the thing: you think you start naming these forwards, and you talk about who can and can't be moved, and then you mention these, what you're calling, and I would agree, future pieces of the team. You know, you you look at the reason that they gave at the beginning of the season why Tomasino was sent down, and and the idea was that they couldn't give him the top six minutes he needs in Nashville. And, you know, you look at when this opportunity for him to come back comes along, it comes back because Philip Forsberg gets hurt. You know, I I think that if you had had an injury somewhere lower 
in the roster that I yeah. don't know that they would have brought Tomasino up. Yeah. But it would have been John you... Leonard or Cole Schneider or Kiefer Sherwood. That's what it would have been. Yeah. And Sherwood's been on fire in the AHL, honestly. But you know, that that's what you're that's what I think would have happened. But because it's Forsberg, that does open up a top six spot. You bring up a top six guy, which I appreciate. They're kind of standing, you know, true to what they said at the beginning of the season. Um, it's going to be really hard to send him back down. So is it possible they're going to free up those spaces? You don't, you don't want, you know, okay. If, if things go bad, things go South, the team doesn't do well. Um, they're going to come back next year. They're going to have a lot of these young guys and you don't want to see Parson and you don't want to see Tomasino playing on the fourth line. You don't, you don't want that. It's you've got to create room for these guys to come up and be your top six guys. If that's what you want them to do. That's not going to happen as long as you're giving them fourth line minutes. Mm -hmm. And as long as that's the best you can offer, you heard, and I, God, I, I hate, I hate that this is who I'm, I'm quoting and this is who I'm going to discuss. But, you know, Patrick Kane today asked about Kirby Doc's success, talks about how he was probably forced into playing <laughs> fourth line minutes at a very young age. And that probably wasn't very good for his development. And, mm guys like that need to play big minutes and they don't need to be rushed. And you're looking at these, just to name a couple forwards, <clears throat> Philip Tomasino, Ellie Tolvanen, Yuso Parsonen right now, guys that are coming in young, playing bottom six, fourth line minutes on the team. And then in some cases being sent to the HL, in some cases being waived for given up for nothing and then going and finding success immediately in other teams where they have a top six role. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of truth to what Kane says there because you've seen this kind of story play out over and over in Nashville. And how much longer do you want to keep doing that? Or do you just want to bite the bullet and free up some top six space and let some young guys with potential come in instead of overpaying guys that aren't going to get the job done to keep not getting the job done year after year? Yeah, man, it, it's 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 really a mess. And I I think at this point, I just, the only option is to sell things. I mean, clear up space, clear up cap money, clear up roster spots, get some of the young guys up and, and, and move on because some it just, there's a, there's a lot not working. I mean, offensively, defensively, special teams, there's just so many things not working. And I like a lot of the young guys. I, I, I really like Cody glass. I really like Yuso Parsonen. I do like Alex Carrier. I think he's actually pretty good. Tommy Novak at times looks pretty good. Um, and then I, you know, a guy like Colton Sissons, like people have mentioned, like, why don't you trade Sissons? Like, I don't think you need to trade no $2.8 million contract. Like that's keep that. That's fine. That's nothing. I mean, even in a flat cap, that's fine. And yeah. for what he does, he does a lot of different things. Colton Sissons is not going to be traded, but you need to trade guys who are getting too much money for what they're producing. Nino Niederreiter, even though his it's for only four million, like he needs, he's just not, he's not doing it for you right now, and he's thirty no. years old. Mikhail Granlund has is I don't know what has happened to him, but he is just not at all close to what he needs to be. No, even and 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 I'm I'm a big Ryan Johansson guy. I, I I've been defending him forever, but like I even him, like I if they could find a way to trade him, I I think you'd have to support it, but. I do think Matthew Shane needs to stick around. I think they can't they can't afford to get rid of speed right now. No. He's, that's pretty much what he's got. He doesn't have a whole lot else, but he's at least got that. So 
But anyways, I think that's where we are. Well, and go ahead. You know, there, there's there's one other option, and I don't know. You kind of alluded to it earlier, but I think I think there's a different different way you could look at things. Alex, what if we blew up the moon? What what would that solve? Well, it would throw the tides into chaos, and Earth would hurtle closer and closer to a collision course with the yellow sun at the center of our universe. But that doesn't solve who, who the you know predators might sell. Oh, it does because everything would end, like you said, melting the yeah. bones of our ancestors. Well, speaking of things that <laughs> speaking of things ending, I think we're about to end this podcast. But uh, <laughs> before we do uh, the upcoming schedule, they, the uh, Thursday, the Predators take on the Boston Bruins, who are really, really good. So don't expect too much <laughs> to happen on Thursday. I actually think the Predators are going to win that game. I okay. think they're going to make they're going to make Boston look silly, and it's going to give a lot of people hope. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> how much money would you want to put on that? Because I, I wouldn't put more than a dollar on it. Oh, I'd put a dollar on it. I wouldn't put more than a dollar. Oh, yeah, me neither. But I'd put a dollar on it. Okay, I'd put a dollar, but that's it. Maybe a Saturday they take on Saturday they take on the Florida Panthers. If you want a chance to go to that game for free, you can go to the ticket giveaway we mentioned earlier, which is in the A to Z Sports Facebook feed or Instagram feed. And then Sunday they take on Minnesota. My prediction is that Soros starts Thursday at Boston or Thursday against Boston, and then Sunday at Minnesota. I think Lankinen gets the start against Florida. Okay, fair. That's my prediction. It's good prediction. Um, all right, anything else before we conclude? Um, I've got a collision course with the sun insurance for sale if anybody wants to hit me up. <laughs> you can check out all of our Preds coverage at azsports.com. Check it out there. Until then, follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. At follow Sean at SCSNSH. We'll be back next week. See you guys.